We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Doing good, man. That was uh, just one of those moments I've heard you say we're back a million times, but that was a full arena rock, physical extension, pointing finger. Th- I know you can't hear it on the podcast, but I think in some ways you actually can. Could you uh, could you think why I'm so excited to do this week's podcast? Could uh, there be an event this week taking place that might uh, might cater to my very specific and perverted interests? Let's see, Nats are at mm-hmm. Mets. Oh, uh, I know ooh, this that's week. a good one. That's There's a- the first round of the NBA playoffs. I know is your favorite round, and everyone's hurt, which is great. I love yeah. everybody getting hurt. I mean, wow, can't wait to see like an eight seed blow by because Giannis Antetokounmpo has like eight different back spasms. It's very fun. <laughs> yes, I am excited because it's the NFL draft this week. And guess what, Roth? What? The guest is in. Do, 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 do. Terrific. And with this edition of the podcast, you and I have selected Rivers McCown of NBC Sports and Football Outsiders. Wow. And Am- you can't elite see measurables. It, but I'm giving Rivers, I'm giving you a huge hug on, on the podium. <laughs> and almost like I'm lifting you up to prove that I'm stronger than you. Like, I, it's very exciting. And I'm dressed in a suit that's like 10 sizes too big for me and yep. just kind of waddling around. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come through on the audio, but he's wearing a bowler hat for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching Rivers game tape since we were uh, teammates at Vice Sports like eight years ago. <laughs> so it is uh, nice to have you on the show, man. Thank you for coming. It's been a long, long time in the uh, freelance minds. It's good to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I still have, I, I still have freelance brain a lot. Like if someone, like I have two jobs, but if someone's ever like, "Hey, Drew, would you like to write something for us freelance for like, like a few hundred bucks or whatever?" I'm like, "Well, if I don't take the job, I'd lose the money, yeah. and then, <laughs> yeah. and then my kids can't go to college." Anyway, Rivers, we got to talk about the draft and. We have to start, obviously, as all NFL talk does, we have to start with the Houston Texans, a team you have covered extensively in your career. We <laughs> apologize. Like giving us the like, oh, no, don't yeah. need to do yeah. We don't have to do that, actually. It's okay. I'm so I'm, I'm so sorry, but I do actually want to talk to you about the Texans because there's a couple things. One is they have a situation now where they were led by uh, sidewalk preacher Jack Easterby for a few years, and that was a disaster. They finally got him out, but Patriots cast off Nick Casario, another Patriots cast off, because so was Easterby. He's still running the team, kind of, like we're kind of not sure, (laughs) and it's possible the Texans fire him after the draft. There was a whole weird press conference about it. Can you give us the situation with the Texans front office, if you possibly can? Uh, I mean, it's complicated, but I'll try. So... Nick Casario had an end-of-season press conference where he kind of alluded to the fact that maybe if the new head coach doesn't like him, he won't be here anymore. And, of course, the hired D'Amico Ryans, who Nick Casario then admitted that he had never met before they actually <laughs> interviewed him, which is never a great sign. In the no! Yeah. That's if you're ever wondering whether you've been frozen out of an organization's decision-making process, if they like hire a guy for a really important role and you find out about it on like the ticker on ESPN <laughs> two, you've mod- you might've been frozen out of the somehow rivers. Process. I don't think uh, Nick was the one doing the interviewing in that meeting. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, yeah. I think if you don't know the guy you interviewed, it's uh, you're actually the candidate. You're not the guy making the decision. It's It's been an interesting situation for sure. And so, of course, ownership is heavily involved in this. Um, 
Cal McNair's wife, Hannah, has gotten a lot more involved over the last... It's always good. That is such a good sign. Six so months. Sad. Yeah. So that's... I think she kind of led us to the D'Amico Ryan's hire. And I think at this point, you know, we come into the strap and we don't know who actually has final say. So that's going to be interesting to find out. Great time to find it out, too. Would yep. that be the reason... Because now I'm seeing a lot of mocks. And look, mocks are mocks. So they, they don't mean jack shit. But it seems like there's a lot of momentum. And I say that in the way that like political polls have momentum. But the Texans, <laughs> yes. the Texans have the number two pick in the draft, the number 10 pick in the draft. And there is the idea that they will pass up uh, the chance to draft a quarterback at number two. I would assume that would be C.J. Stroud. Do you really think that they would be stupid enough to do that? Oh, yeah. And I've seen their last five <laughs> years of work. So I'm say, very familiar with that. If stupid enough is your baseline, <laughs> then I think we all know the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think Stroud is still like in the conversation. But at this point, I don't think he's the favorite at all. And you kind of look at where they're going, uh, you know, media narrative wise. It kind of looks like Tyree Wilson's in there. Mm-hmm. Looks like Will Anderson's in there, too. And it kind of looks like they're starting some hidden hooker buzz in the in like the mid late first round. So that's not terrifying at all. It's great. I love when my team makes weird decisions. It's worked so well for them in the last, you know, decade. Yep. I also like that when you can say that your team is making decisions in the same way that like a battleship on which everyone <laughs> has died is just like you're like, oh, they're steering in this direction. That's not that's not true. It's a ghost ship. No one's steering anything at all. And I was I was going to ask you, Rivers, like, you know, if they're going to fire Casario, Casario, why wouldn't they do it, you know, before the draft instead of afterward? But you've already made it pretty clear that there's, it's a fucking chicken with no head cut off. It, like, at best, at best, Ryans is the guy who gets to make the pick. And Ryans is a defensive coach. So I would assume that, like, he's not quite as horny to draft a quarterback as an offensive coach might be. Or is that just me being way too presumptuous? I mean, I think there's something to that for sure. And uh, this, one of the talking points that kind of gets brought up over and over again is, oh, well, he was with the 49ers and so was his offensive coordinator. And they just watched Brock Purdy come out of nowhere. So why do they need to draft a quarterback? Yeah, right. why, why would you want to do the thing that every good team has except yep. for the 49ers? Who knows? Wild. Yeah, <laughs> it does have that kind of like extra, like like too much disruption involved. Like it does have kind of like a Bay Area sort of thing to it where it's like we've invented a version of a football team that doesn't have a passing guy on it. And uh, we think it's the future. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't know about that. It sounds like you just invented a bus again. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is on every team, as we all know. So yeah. makes so, it easy. Like, all things being equal, where everybody has Christian McCaffrey on their roster. <laughs> It is a good time to talk about the uh, these quarterbacks because I think the presumptive first pick is going to be Bryce Young. Um, but now there's a little bit of there's a weird Reddit post that said Will Levis might go number one, which I think is pretty much a smokescreen. But I want to talk about Stroud because you said he's he's in the mix of number two, but not like an automatic. And I'm wondering if part of that is because of the report that came out. It was. Uh, it was from Bob McGinn, who was writing for Ty Dunn's website, Go Long. And it was about the essentially what was the new Wonderlick test in the NFL. It's called the S2 Cognition Test. And McGinn's report was that Stroud scored and had an insanely low score. And that apparently this test, like anyone who scored below an X threshold, has not panned out. Any quarterback who has scored below like 60 or something like that. 
And Stroud scored an 18. And I'm going to read you what the executive, an anonymous executive, not an anonymous scout. <laughs> this is the next level of anonymous yeah. yes. source. Yes. They said to they said to Bob McGinn, they said, Stroud scored an 18. That is like a red alert, red alert. You can't take a guy like that. That is why I have Stroud as a bust. That in conjunction with the fact that name one Ohio State quarterback that's ever done it in the league. Like, okay, fair enough on the Ohio State. Yeah. However, mm. this test... Do you buy into this test at all, Rivers? Do you know what? What do you Tell, think about? Can this you test? mind like revealing what this is? Because it's it basically seems like Wonderlick two, but I don't know that uh, that there might be. Is there a difference? There's a difference in the in the sense that I think there's sections that are timed. Like like the S two test has so it's supposed to test like your reactivity more than anything. Right, I think there's like a physical component to the test, right? right like how yeah. fast can you push this fucking button or something like that? Yeah, and I think I understand where they're coming from when they put things like that on that pedestal because NFL brain kind of just goes, oh, well, I need this guy to think about this fast. Here's a test that says he thinks about it fast. Okay, I've validated all my, all my concerns now. Mm-hmm. But, but I think Stroud is the kind of guy who spends a lot of time in the film room, like knows what's happening before they call it, like that Peyton Manning sort of thing. And like, yeah, he's going to see things that develop and then go to them. And he doesn't actually need to do, you know, quick snap processing if he's already figured out where he's going with the ball. Right. And, this is that's classic pre-draft stuff too. The, the idea that like, especially because so many of these guys are just fucking chowder heads to begin with, like the people that are doing the evaluating. And so they... I, there's been less of this in recent years, but it used to be that every year there'd be some moment where like a, a prospect yeah. would be getting interviewed and a team executive would be like, your mom's a whore. What's your response to that? I knew it was coming too. I knew the Des Bryant thing was coming. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the easy number one. It is. I mean, it's like really one of the craziest job related things that you could imagine. The idea of like you're in there, they ask you, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what do you want to be? Also one more thing, like, <laughs> Your parents smoke crack, you piece of shit. How about that? <laughs> if you were a taco, what kind of taco filling would you? Would you eat the moon? You could, yeah, I don't know how to do the Harry Carey voice. The other thing, Rivers, is, I mean, it seems like, um, you know, the S2 just seems like another new toy for them to trot out to make them feel like they have more um, agency over how these draft picks are going to shake out. Like that they're, that, Oh, okay. We have a new sort of metric we can lean on, and that's going to give us, like, if if it doesn't give them more actual, tangible proof of a guy working out, it is something that they can lean on and say, well, this guy tested through the roof. How could we have known he wouldn't pan out? Yeah, there, there's also reports that I've read where, you know, people say, hey, I actually only pay attention to these four parts of the test. So you get these overall scores pushed out, and now it's like, what do I actually even make of them? It's just you know, talking points and self-validation at this point. So oh, the other thing is that they could be fake too. Someone yeah. went, it was, um, uh, someone went on Pat McAfee's show this week and said to Pat that a lot of those scores that were reported by McGinn, I assume he is referring to the McGinn report. They aren't accurate. Like at least, he said, at least two of them aren't accurate and those scores don't have context. So like, I, I don't, I don't have, I'm, I'm going through all this shit really on bits and pieces of information that have been either invented from whole cloth, manipulated, stripped of context, or sometimes are true and they just throw something that's true out because they know you think it's going to be a lie anyway. Yeah, and I think that was Rappaport who said that. But 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 yeah, it, it's it's. I'm used to this because I've been in I've been in the draft world for so long. 
like we used to just seeing all this justification come out and McGinn himself you know he's got this thing about Jalen Carter being some uber bust because nobody can get him motivated and then he's still the number motor. one in the rankings he's right. still number one in the rankings but but the guy behind him oh that guy looks like John Randall it's just all whatever they can say to drive somebody's value up or down um let me ask you, or let me tell you a quick story before I ask you about all the quarterbacks, because I want I want to get to every quarterback. But I did want to say that I actually was going to take the S two test this week for my other job at SF Gate. I had emailed the CEO, and they and they said he said, "Oh well, we we only offer the test in our facility in Nashville." And my bosses at SF Gate said, "Okay, go to Nashville. Get on a plane and go to Nashville." I'm like, "Oh shit, okay." <laughs> and I was like, "And I was like, okay, so." Uh, you know, how quickly can you turn around my score? And the CEO was like, oh, we're not going to give you our score, but you can take the test and ask us questions like as you're taking the test. And I was like, well, I need to know the score. I need to know if I'm smarter than Brock Purdy or whatever yeah, the fuck, right? Like, are you going to give my score to Bob McGinn then? And I have to find out from him? Right. And then he was like, and then he was like, oh, well, actually, we, we're not going to give you the actual assessment we give to players. So I was like, well, this is fucking stupid. So I'm not... I'm not going. Where are the anonymous scout comments on writers? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Oh, I, I should I should be that I, person. I, I would like to be dinged for my motivation. Like, I'd have to, you know, I'd use it to get better, to rise and grind every day. Right. But uh, it would, I would also understand it if they were just sort of like, I don't see it. Like, the, the pilot lights out. Well, look, credit, credit to Elon Musk for getting more anonymous writer scouts uh, proper visibility when they buy their blue checks for eight bucks. <laughs> so, so remind me... Like, what were they actually offering you? Like, what opportunity were the S2 people extending to you at the end of this? I think it was clearly a sales pitch. I think it's a product. I think what you are reading now from people are essentially glorified press releases about it. Like, because it's it's something that, because they said, oh, okay, well, we use this also for baseball players, for softball players, for military and law enforcement personnel. Wow, all the jobs. Right, so it's one, to me, it's like, it's not unlike when I was working in advertising and we had like research firms be- behind our advertising that we would, you know, that brands would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars to really just one of those sort of business to business joints. And I think that's what it ultimately is. And I think we have now gotten too far into this and we have to talk about quarterbacks. River. Oh, I want to know how CJ Stroud plays time cop. That's yeah, right. <laughs> That's important in my decision making process. It would be funny if one team was like, "Listen, all right, you have to play Madden against our head coach, and we're going to grade you not only on whether or not you beat him, but how well you shit talk him, and if you can make our own head coach cry, then you would." I, I think every I think every quarterback prospect needs to have a Twitch stream of him going through a Metal Gear game because I just want to see. <laughs> yes. I just want to see how many guards Will Levis can kill. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, because he seems like the type. <laughs> it seems like the type. There are five quarterbacks potentially going in this first round on Thursday night. Going by last year, they might all go to round three, but still. We got Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis of Kentucky, Anthony Richardson of Florida, and Hendon Hooker, who is 900 years old of Tennessee. How do you, Rivers, personally rank those guys? Where do you think they will go in the draft? Well, I think Stroud and Young are kind of alone on top tier. Um, I kind of put Stroud ahead of Young because what he did against Georgia in his final college game was the best performance of the year. Yes. Um, and I think he's got the high floor, which that I think is kind of important in prospects. Now you don't want somebody to totally fail. So even if he's an, isn't like elite, 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 he'll can, he can jerk off his way to some good seasons. 
Um, I like Jared Bry- Goff as a verb. That's good. Yeah. Bryce Young, I actually, you know, he had the best season by far, but I'm going to wince every time I watch him get hit because he's tiny. Everybody talks about everybody talks about the size, but it's also the weight. Like he's only you know 190 pounds or so when he actually plays, and he kind of hyperhydrated up for the combine to get to 200, and then he didn't weigh himself at the pro day, which is like okay, we all know what you what's happening here, right? Right. (laughs) You can't just fool us. Yeah, Um, it's it's never a good sign when an NFL player is lighter than me and he's not a kicker. Just a, a real blogger-sized individual lining <laughs> yeah. up under center is not 100% what you want. That's concerning. That is a, I mean, that's an obvious point and yet an extremely good point. And I hadn't thought about it because when people talk about quarterbacks being undersized, it's always the, you know, they need to be able to see over the offensive line, which is like an issue here. But yeah, if like you're getting hit by somebody that weighs 130 pounds more than you a few times per game. Yeah. Like yeah. The body can only stand so much of that. And, and people always try out, well, okay, but he played in the SEC. The NFL is more than the SEC. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a little the, bit better. These yes. guys are a little bit better, a little bit bigger, too. Uh, okay, so where were we? Uh, Anthony Richardson. Um, I hate the word, but freak. Like, just a ridiculous athlete on every level. Uh, blew away combine records and that sort of thing. Extremely fast. Is he accurate? Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, That's he's the, the one, one that really interests me as a uh, as like what you might call a football outsider myself. Ooh. There's just yeah. Oh, I like sorry. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, Terrific. Uh, That's our podcast for today. I'm. We're gonna be leaving now. The Richardson is a guy that like I don't think anybody has ever said that he is like remotely a, a complete package, but as a connection, a collection of tools some of which relate to each other and some of which don't it seems like he's unprecedented and yet somehow not actually anyone's idea of a guy who could play quarterback in the nfl yet the interesting thing is i i I read a lot from these guys who do a lot more quarterback research than i do like you know your matt waldman's your steven ruiz's that sort of thing and they all love this guy and they think his process is really good and it's just a matter of you know he's not raw but he doesn't have the experience yet he only started for like one season yeah. So, so is he is he going to develop further? If he does, he's going to be the best quarterback in the draft, probably. But you know, that's that's an open question, and it's one that we've seen failed over and over again by many many players with you know more talent than he has with the arm. He's been mocked to my team a lot, and I have to tell you that you know I was very much anti Richardson for a while because I had asked Spencer Hall who was a Florida fan. I was like, well, yes. what should I want Anthony Richardson? He was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he throws one type of ball and that's all he can do. And that's very bad. And I was like, all right, okay, all right. And then I, I watched some tape study of him from like JT O'Sullivan and Kurt Warner. Yes. And I'm looking at the measurables and all that stuff. And like, it's legit. Like you, you, you don't like using the word freak, but he is. He's a fucking, he's the guy who walks in to the practice and every, all the other players who are NFL players just start laughing. Cause they're like, Oh my God, this guy's, this guy's outclassed us by a fucking mile. Cause he's so fast and strong. And he's going to hit them. He's going to hit them instead of him hitting them, hitting him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about it in terms of match now, like, cause I think so much of this is dependent on where these guys go. So like, you know, Bryce young, if he gets drafted by the Panthers, he's got Frank Reich who helped develop Carson Wentz. Carson, when Carson Wentz was like, 
Usable. That was like a thing that you'd say with a tone of voice that suggested it was a good thing. <laughs> right, to have done. right. Before he started throwing every pass left-handed, he was great. Yep. Right, but I mean, like you, if you get a shitty coach or you don't get a coach at all, like if if you don't have a coach who's all that interested in offense, then that's bad. And so I think about, and this is where I wanted to drop my finest David Brintism because I think about this seriously all the time, Rolf. I think about we always talk about whether or not uh, players are coachable. We never talk about whether or not coaches are playerable. Wow. Think about it, Rolf. Think about it. Because like yeah. someone like Anthony Richardson, if he goes to the Texans, he'll fucking suck. But if he goes to my boy, Kevin O'Connell, a god. An absolute god. <laughs> Simple That's- as. Simple well, as I, think, I do feel like there's, especially, I mean, the Texans are like maybe the, the biggest living example of this, but there's a number of them where it would become impossible to evaluate a guy on in a situation that's that dire where they're kind of like not being taken care of or coached up in any sort of meaningful way. It might be, I mean, to me, it seems like the Ryan's hire, whoever it was that did it. And it's someday I hope we can figure out who actually interviewed him for that job. (laughs) He seems like a perfectly good hire to me. They just like, there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. And Bobby Slowick is the new offensive coordinator who was kind of like San Francisco's passing game coach. Mm -hmm. So, so you come into this and you're like, okay, so he knows what Mike Shanahan, what Kyle Shanahan does, but is he Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> yeah, like this, we've had a lot of instances of that. Like a guy who stood near a Hall of Fame guy, and people are like, "Well, he's got to pick something up." Because like yeah, yeah. Belichick dander all over him, like, and that's not always how it works. <laughs> and Steve Belichick, of course, great with the tongue. So oh. you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> what about on. what about Hooker uh, Rivers? Do you see him going in the first round, despite the fact that he's twenty five years old and uh, is coming off of a torn ACL toward the end of the season? I didn't see it when we when everything started here, but okay. I feel like it's more has this guy picked up steam? Absolutely. Uh, can some team do this to themselves? Sure. Did I watch Brandon Whedon? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, his offense is kind of, uh, this is kind of a mean thing to say now, but Baylor-esque. Dude, everybody, everybody on on the YouTubes I was watching, everybody was shitting on that offense. Like, even Kurt Warner was like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing here. Like, he was, (laughs) like, he circled, like, two, Wideouts on the top of the screen. He's like, watch them. They're not even going to move. It's like, what are they doing? Why Why were they coached to do this? And that's Kurt Warner, like the most polite, like goody-goody motherfucker in the world. And he's like, what the yeah, fuck is Josh Heupel the, doing? Bless your heart. That's not, not what you want. <laughs> oh, bless. Bless, bless, bless. <laughs> and, and then he's got, so it's not only Hooker. It's also, they've got uh, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, who are both in this draft and kind of highly thought of prospects. Yes. I know Lance Zerline thinks that... Uh, the uh, Cedric will go higher than most people actually believe. So how do you decide which one of these guys was actually the driving force? Is it Hinn Hooker or is it just the fact that Jalen Hyatt runs 4-2 and nobody ever touches him and he's wide open? Mm. Yeah, this is, I think Hooker is like a later or like non-first round pick, right? Like that that is like the projection on him. I haven't done as much of the tape eating on this as Drew has. Drew's done like kind of a, you don't want to use the word freakish again, but like you've really been in the damn film room on these guys. No, I mean, I mean, by studying the tape, I mean like I have casually watched a couple of YouTube breakdowns of like five or six quarterbacks. Like 
Hooker was cool because he was doing pro shit, like his his footwork and like he's looking around the field and all that. He looked very professional. Like he looked like he was doing shit that an NFL quarterback should do. And then I saw one scouting report that was like, he's very good. He'll be like, his upside is like Teddy Bridgewater. And I was like, oh, and that stuck in my head <laughs> basically forever. Not because of the injury and not even because of his Vikings career, but just like Teddy Bridgewater is just a serviceable backup QB. He's not. I really, I really enjoyed Drew's Keith Hernandez. You know what? We have more NFL draft to talk about with Rivers McCown, but we have to take a break. So let's take a break now. Before we take that break, just want to note that this podcast is sponsored by Nega Bar. You want to maximize your athletic potential? Well, be so jacked that you get laid, then eat what the pros eat. Megabar contains 6,000 calories of pure <laughs> ant protein in just one bar, and it comes packaged in its own 50-pound dumbbell. So give your body a lift and eat a Megabar today. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. Unfortunately, starting therapy can be expensive, frustrating, and take a long time. Even if you can find a therapist that's taking new patients, you might have to wait weeks or months for your first appointment, and it's expensive. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery right away. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and affordable. All you have to do to get started is create an account and fill out a brief questionnaire, at which point BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist who you can start messaging right away. And don't worry, if you don't click with your therapist, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Finding someone you feel comfortable opening up to is a huge part of what makes talk therapy work. And so making that process easy is a big part of what people like about BetterHelp. So if you've been thinking about trying therapy but aren't sure where to start, BetterHelp is a great option to explore. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash distraction. We are back with Rivers McCown of NBC Sports and Football Outsiders. A few more draft questions, and then we'll talk about uh, all the uh, the stupid stuff. Do you still expect Rivers, uh, Bryce Young, to go number one to Cal- Carolina? And if so, should the Panthers have made that trade? Because they gave up a lot to get up there. I think that it's a trade that makes logical sense. I don't know that it's a trade that I would do if I were them. But I think when you've been stuck in this kind of Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, quasi, what are we doing field for as long as they have? It's been a couple of years now. I understand it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to, like trading down is sort of the right move all the time in the draft, except at that position. Like quarterback is the only time where you're like, okay, we'll give up the fucking farm to go up and get a quarterback because quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks are so cheap. And if you hit on one, you're set for fucking 20 years. So it's like, you may as you may as well go with it. This seems to be the one like really advanced idea that NFL front offices have. It's not even advanced, but I mean, it's just like of business ideas. The idea that like some positions offer more variability than others. In this case, like it really does matter to get the one guy 
that you are sure is going to work. Whereas like, this is why people don't draft running backs in the first round anymore. At some point they decided that all running backs are functionally similar enough to each other that it's not worth taking that chance. But they might this year. They yeah. might this year. Yep. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because uh, Texans running back Bijan Robinson is the most widely lauded running back prospect I've seen since Saquon Barkley. And I think he's even more lauded than that, but there's no chance that Robinson gets drafted anywhere near as high as Barkley did, which was second overall. Rivers, should a guy like Robinson be exempted from sort of now established positional draft values? Like when is it okay to reach for a running back or a center or a tight end or a safety? Is, are there guys like Robinson? Because like everything I hear is like, oh, well, he's just going to be, he's going to be a Hall of Fame back. And it's like, okay, well, do I want that instead of a basic fucking pass rusher? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, is that really worth getting though? If you could get Zach Moss? Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really know Rivers. Well, do you think, because here's the thing. Yeah, he could be a Hall of Fame back or like Saquon, he could get hurt for, you know, two of those four rookie contract years. And then you're like, well, mm. oh, is that, is that a good thing? I mean, look. <laughs> and then we have to franchise him. Ugh. Look, it's, we, not, it's not worth going over any, the Giants, have, <laughs> it's not important. We don't have to talk. We don't have to franchise him. We could have just, you know, given him a long-term extension and franchised Daniel Jones. But what, wh- look, why would you do we're that? Not, it's not a Giants podcast. We don't need to talk about the Giants on the podcast. <laughs> we're all we, taking it a bit personally. <laughs> so the team I've seen connected to Robinson is the Falcons, right? Yes, yes. That's that's the one. I feel like the way that this works, again, as somebody who, uh, my lived experience of <laughs> Saquon Barkley as an NFL player, is that, there are teams that are close enough that you could plug a guy like this who might be, you know, whatever. A Ladanian Tomlinson was a comp that Eric said that he'd seen for him. Like, that improves any team, but it doesn't. There are teams that are far enough away that, like, the Giants were when they drafted Barkley, where there's really kind of nothing you could do. I mean, they had bad coaches uh, at that yes. time that used him in an they, uncreative way. They had a bad GM, too. They had a terrible GM, uh, but he was a very a lovable man. You know, you ask anyone about Dave Gettleman, they say the man loves his binders. He's a sweetheart. Uh, he loves not, being in his room by himself. He loves being in his, yeah. in his room by himself with like, it's like maybe in the attic of his home. It's very confusing. Again, not important. Not a Giants podcast. The Falcons to me do not seem like they have enough of a sense of direction that they should be taking this running back. Like, it just seems like there's still like fundamental building blocks there that need to be installed first. Oh, so you're not you're not on the Desmond Ritter train, I see. Well, wow. like, you know, Drew kind of likes Ritter, though, I think, I, right? I mean, I did, like, I think there are a lot of weird teams in that regard, like particularly the Titans, particularly the Falcons, where they took a flyer on those quarterbacks last year who were supposed to go in the first round or were consistently mocked in the first round but fell all the way to the third round. So it's like if you're the Titans and you drafted Malik Willis in the third round last year, do you do you draft another quarterback? Is that stupid? Why did you draft Malik Willis to begin with? You go draft a quarterback now. Like the Panthers are already like, okay, we drafted Matt Corral last year, but he got hurt, and like we know, like we know, we were just sort of taking a shot in the dark. Now yeah, we have there's to like a franchise altering talent available. Yeah, so right. You do it. So I don't know what like the Falcons or the Titans do. Rivers, do you? What do you think they should do? Well, I think the Falcons and Titans both come from the Mike Rabel tree now because you've got Arthur Smith down in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. those teams just love to pound the rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And you've got, you, you, you got, you got the Derrick Henry thing coming up. I, if I were the Falcons, I would get a quarterback. I don't understand the Lamar Jackson non-competition yeah. thing at all with that. Like, 
I mean, if it, that was the one team where it was just obvious from the start, hey, this team could really use a franchise quarterback. Is there one available? Oh, there is. Are they going for him? No, 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 they're going out of their way to say that they're not actually. <laughs> so the opposite of that. Let, let's have serious Lamar talk because we haven't done it. And so I want to give <laughs> I want to give listeners sort of the background, even if they know it. Lamar Jackson, um, his contract was up with the Ravens. Um, he sat out or I should I shouldn't say he did not play at the end of the season, particularly in the game that they lost to Cincinnati in the playoffs. Um, there were people um outside of the Ravens building and perhaps inside who thought he could have played in that game and elected not to because he didn't want to affect his market value. Uh, The Ravens then uh, assigned a non-exclusive franchise tag to Lamar Jackson this offseason, meaning that any team could sign him to an offer sheet that the Ravens would then have the right to match. And if they didn't match it, then that other team would owe the Ravens two first round picks, which seems like a very, very low price to pay for someone who is uh, already won the NFL MVP award. Now, the other side of this is that Lamar Jackson has no agent and that he is rumored to want a fully guaranteed contract on the level that Deshaun Watson got from the Cleveland Browns a year ago. And we've already had not one, but two owners, all Arthur Blank of the Falcons and Jim Mersey of the Colts, openly say that they don't like the idea of guaranteed contracts, even though they're perfectly legal and they're allowed by the CBA. So it seems like there's a lot of soft collusion going on, but also perhaps Lamar not having his shit together. So I want to ask you, Rivers, first of all, what do you make personally of the situation, and how do you think it ends? I mean, it never seemed like there's anybody who actually is going to pay him besides the Ravens, right? Like, yeah. the Ravens, the, the, way they, the way they work this out, too, is just like, oh, yeah, it's the exclusive tag, but we're going to match any offer. And he, we want to be our quarterback. There's never, there's never been a sign from the GM or the head coach like, oh, this guy. If we get two first round picks, that's awesome. Yeah, someone should, someone should pay him right away. We will match that. So I, I don't know. It's, it feels like chicken a little bit. So I kind of get why people are second guessing it. But I think from their perspective, they're like, look, this guy has no idea what his market is. He won't talk to an agent. He's having some rando talk to teams representing him. Yeah, really? that was the other part. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, it's like a it's like a, a like kind of sketchy fitness entrepreneur guy, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. It's like a internet. It's, it's the dude that uh, did that TikTok video where he said he lives four days every day, four six hour days. That's the guy that's representing him. Fa- famously, stacking like, up over of, the course of a week, I'm gonna kick your butt. It's that famous, guy. W- famous with the guy who gets every deal done, of course. Yeah. So, you can see why Lamar had no choice but to talk with him. But but yeah, I think they're like, look, here's some reality. Go talk to teams. See what you can get. Come back to us. We will pay you no matter what. And I, I even if it's just on a franchise tag or something, you know, they just have him sign it. Like, I think he'll be back. Do you think he'll be back or do you think he'll sit out the season? Uh, I can't see him sitting out the season. I could see him maybe in like the worst case scenario you know, you get down to it and it's like, oh, well, we got to sign this tag in week nine or whatever it is. So the, the his contract year will actually toll. Like I could see that. Mm, okay. But, but I don't think he's going to sit out the entire season like Le'Veon Bell did. Um, before this podcast is posted, do you think that either Trey Lance or, or Mac Jones will have been traded? Is that possible? I don't know that either the 49ers or the Patriots are wild about the offers they're getting for these two quarterbacks. Okay. 
I, I kind of feel like with the 49ers especially, because that's what I'm more in tune with, because we're looking at how can the Texans mess up. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the 49ers are like, let, we, we just paid three first-round picks to get this guy two years ago. We're not going to trade him for a two and a three or a two and a four or whatever. So, but also think, we think he sucks, right? But, but, like, also, but also, you know, Brock Purdy's better than him. So, yeah, God, <laughs> it's like a lot to keep in mind there because that is like he's a black box as a player. But then also, yeah, that other evaluation where they're like, we think he's, you know, he could be anything. Like he could even be Brock Purdy someday, maybe. <laughs> like it's like, what? What did you say? <laughs> he's also a guy who has not played a full football season since 2019. So it's yeah. like, it's like you get it's whatever your imagination wants Trey Lance to be. That's what you get. And I just can't imagine any team. I don't want my team to trade for him. Cause like if Kyle Shanahan, who runs one of the more quarterback friendly systems in the universe is like, I can't work with this guy. What the fuck does any other team, uh, what chance does any other team have to do it? You know, my saddest take is that I still believe in Trey Lance to some extent. I hate really? that I'm here. I Why? hate that I'm here, <laughs> but, but you know, the games that he's played, you know, as a rookie, you know, one of them wasn't very good. One of them was against the Texans and was okay. And then his, you know, second season comes in, hurts himself in game two, throws in a monsoon in game one. I have no idea what to make of this guy right. yet. Yeah. Right. He could be anything still, as Roth said. And he was so, a cool college player, but it is like he was a cool college player when like Obama was president. You know, like it's like all kind of <laughs> hard to bear all this in mind and like well, know what and you're it, dealing with now. And he was in North Dakota State too. He wasn't at a yeah. major school. So I don't know. Um I, I want to ask you one last draft question and then we get to the stupid stuff. Um I saw an interview with Bill's GM Brandon Bean, and he among others basically shit on this draft. Like that it was very low in players who had a first round grade. We're talking about like numbering in the teens. Do you think that Bean is right in that assessment or is he just smokescreening that shit? Cause I feel like the draft factory, the the bullshit factory around the draft has been fully optimized over the past few years. So I don't really know if I can believe any of this stuff, even when it's like universally said. I think it's hard because we just had a weak draft too. We just had a draft where Derek Stingley went number three overall coming off an injury. Over yeah. Sauce Gardner. What? <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes were made. But that the point being, yeah, that like this is yeah. even then I think that, you know, when you're sort of like, well, I guess it's this and you're still like not at the 10th pick of the draft yet, that's not that exciting. This one just cuz there's so many named quarterbacks, it doesn't feel quite as bad. Right. That the quarterbacks are what's holding it up a little bit. And and I you know, I think there might be four or five guys in like an average draft that'll be top 10. Uh, if Bryce Young were in a draft of Trevor Lawrence, he wouldn't go number one overall, of course. Mm-hmm. No. So, I mean, you know, you look at that, take it for what it's worth. I do think that it's a better draft than last year's, but I think top-end talent-wise, it really peters off after like four or five guys. And from then on, it's kind of like, well, can I trade down? Can I trade down? <laughs> what are you offering me to trade down? A seven? Ooh, I don't know. A seven, that's not enough. Oh. But maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's time for a guy of the week. Every week, Rivers, we remember an athlete of yours, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. And in honor of you and in honor of the Texans, your guy of the week, it's an easy one. It's Mario Williams. You remember that guy, Rivers? I do remember that guy. The he, he tore the city apart, and he somehow was the smartest move that anybody in the organization has made in 22 years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because... 
I remember it was like, oh my God, they're not going to draft Vince Young or Matt Leinart. Like, how could they be that stupid? Yeah, or Reggie Bush. Don't forget that Bush. Yeah. Or Reggie Bush. It was like Hall of Fame returns. I can't, I can't believe you drafted a Pro, Pro Bowl edge rusher instead of guys who ended up flaming out. I Hold still on. remember the day, the, the uh, Bush Bowl between the Texans and the 49ers, where I think it was Chris Brown shanked that ball left at the very end to lose that game. And then I just think about last year and how I wish the Texans were better at tanking like they used to be. Yep. Sad. That's right. That's Over right. A couple of decades you. of making the same desperate back to the wall decisions. And <laughs> like it still somehow it's not sticking. I'm glad he wasn't the actual guy of the week, but I, I want to mention in passing how delighted I was that Drew uh, sent me a link to JT O'Sullivan breaking down quarterback tape earlier this week. It's so good. <laughs> it's always I, nice to remember a backup quarterback. And as Drew pointed out, he's a very soothing voice. Like if you wanted to put JT O'Sullivan on TV, I think everybody would be into it. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. I'm already I'm already sad that like JT is either he's going to get into coaching because he's good enough to be one or he's going to become a, a terrible TV talking head because all the shit he says on YouTube, well, he's got 30 minutes to say it. So he can take yeah. his time. He can point stuff out. I'm like, okay, that's great. With the, the format of television, with the demands of television, they're going to be like, okay, say the smartest thing you can about this guy's scheme in 30 seconds. And yep. you're just not, you're not going to get anything. It's going to be fucking, it's going to be like, well, they're tough. Like, that's it. That's Are you also fun. a JT O'Sullivan guy, uh, Rivers? I'm getting the sense that you're, you're in, on the team there. I do enjoy the JTO Sullivan YouTube content. Yes, um, if I may remember another guy though, please. Yes, uh, I do just want to. I just want to bring us to Dave Ragone, who. Oh, nice. yes. <laughs> oh snap! We love That's to right. think about Dave Ragone. Pride. Of of, we got through a lot of Louisville quarterbacks this podcast. That's yeah. great. We we got the lefty going, and then of course you know, happens to work with the Falcons now, and my man cannot say a word because Arthur Smith has muzzled him. So condolences, but we we stand you still. We stand you still, Dave. Good for Dave. I enjoyed Dave Ragone as a college uh, player, and he did. He got a, a a couple of turns in the NFL as like an emergency Texan. He had, he had right? the, yeah, he had the Tom Savage career. Yeah, which like, is fine oh, though. Shit, it's like you get like a jersey that they like they gave it to you. They put your name on the back. That's yours to keep. I think. That's, that's right. right. Like that's a midseason cool. start where like a bunch of guys get hurt, and then you just hear like on on like Wednesday, like Schefter tweets out the Texans will start Dave Ragone, and like every reply is just oh. Yep. <laughs> so least, that's gonna be a great opportunity when that happens, especially now the way that Twitter is ordered to just get under like a Woj tweet or a Schefter thing, and then just block all the way down. Everybody that's got like a <laughs> raffle emoji and like nothing else and their but their handle is like Yankees, Cowboys, uh conservative Lakers. politics or whatever. You're just like peace. Goodbye. Floach coin eighty nine. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that guy. Let's open up the fun bag rivers. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. This one's from Luke and Luke writes in which career choice do you have to have the most unfounded confidence in yourself to go into as to me, it's life coach, interior designer, or TV music film critic. For those, you really have to be someone that thinks what you have to say counts more than other people. Rivers, do you agree with those selections, or is there something else you can think of? I got big. I think Luke has a big omission here, but I want to hear you first. Um, I think to continue to be a freelance writer, you have to have a lot of ego for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say NFL quarterback needs to be up here as well because yeah. those guys have to just buy into unfounded levels of selflessness and, and just like if you don't have ten stories of Ryan Tannehill calling you, then are you really part of the team? I don't know. What about the what about the coach or coaches? Do co more coaches hate themselves and are like? 
absolute basket cases than I than I give them credit for. Well, maybe I'm colored by the fact that I covered Bill O'Brien for eight years, but <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I, I think that there are definitely some coaches out there who are just not all all right. They're <laughs> just not 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 all right up there. <laughs> yeah, no. I think you have to that level, and it's funny because I. I don't want to feel that way myself. Like, I don't want to, like, see the world as a series of, like, adversaries to best and every challenge as being something that I have to, like, dominate and destroy the competition on. But, like, I'm lucky that my job does not require me to do that. If you're an NFL football player, like, you never want to say that you should be more like Aaron Rodgers. Don't tell anybody that in any for any reason. And yet, being super hyper-competitive and extremely like self-actualized in the most unpleasant possible way where you just like believe in your shit like at a level um that's like elemental to your being like that sounds a lot easier to be a quarterback if you're like that than it is if you're like a normal person that experiences death it's a necessity yeah you cuz if you have any self-doubt for a split second you will die you will get killed so yeah and, yeah. and that's why that's why going back to the Lamar thing that's why I don't fault him for how he feels about his contract cuz I would feel the same way if that was my life. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. also he has he has the uh the benefit of of being a, an extremely good quarterback and like the most dazzling athlete in the sport. So, you know, I mean, I can see why he would think that way. Yeah, this is what I love about a certain type of NFL quarterback, not to remember a guy on top of this. Guys that aren't necessarily that good but absolutely believe it, like the JP Losmans out there where they're just sort of like every fucking day I get to wake up JP Losman. Come on, man. Like and yeah, like, <laughs> but they still just like make mistakes all the time like the Rex Grossman mindset. Oh, I, I love, I love that. I just really admire that and if you're feeling that confident and you're Aaron Rodgers, okay. If you're feeling that confident and the back of your football card is the back of Rex Grossman's football card, then like you've cracked some sort of important code. Uh, my most, uh, my glaring uh, uh, omission from Luke is a politician. Um, and then yeah. the other one was actually, I just love it. I just remember now, of course, uh, it would be a uh, startup founder. That would be uh, right there. If you are, if you're Adam Newman, uh, I think you've got a lot of unfounded confidence in yourself. Ryan writes in, this will be the last one, and this is less a question, just a, a more fantastic story for you, Thought Rivers. Exercise. Oh, uh, Ryan writes in, I attended a concert recently at a local NFL stadium and witnessed something truly remarkable in the men's room. As I was using the urinal. <laughs> well, 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 go on. Uh, yep. <laughs> a guy walked up to the urinal to my left, holding a cheeseburger and fries basket and a tall boy. This grabbed my attention instantly, there being fewer places more unsanitary to bring food into than a stadium restaurant. He then proceeded to somehow hold the basket in the crook of his right elbow and pin the tall boy to his right side with the inside of his arm while unbelting, unbuttoning, unzipping, and pissing with his left hand. It was all I could do not to stare at this daredevil. Should I be more impressed by the dexterity of this man or horrified by his audacity, Rivers? Do you got to hand it to this guy? I have anxiety just listening to the yeah. story. There was, <laughs> was anxiety within me because I knew it was going to drop at some point. We yeah. all know it's going to drop. I was doing the escalating Vince McMahon reaction meme as you were sort of like, at that point, by balancing the tall boy on top of his head, he was able to like dribble small amounts of beer down his forehead and drink them while pissing. I was like, no, stop. Everybody stop doing this. I'll tell you what, if he could have eaten the burger and held all that shit while taking a bite of the burger while pissing and not spilled a drop of anything, that he would be like a gold medalist in something yep. of some sort. This is why I think the Homer Simpson nacho hat is logistically 
a choice that needs. I know that like it doesn't actually exist in real life, but if you that's a real hands free eating experience, and you can do other stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, why why does the foam dome exist? I mean, yeah, they already they already have the beer hat, so let's go let's go full throttle. Come yeah. on, a thousand like, percent. I, I would be, I, and I know I probably wouldn't because I you know am I'm normal. Everybody knows how normal I am that listens to the podcast. If I saw someone come into the bathroom with a bunch of food and a beer, I I think if I didn't know them, I'd be like no. Like, go put that down. Like, what are you, like, the way that you might, like, somebody else's kid trying to cross a street where you're just sort of like, no, you got to look both ways, man. Like, that's how I would react to someone bringing, like, burger, fries, and drink near to the toilets in a football we, stadium. I think what we need is the guy also has to be eating hot Cheetos. So you have, like, forensic evidence of, of how he's gripping these walls. Yeah. Like, you can do the, uh, <laughs> like, a CSI test, except for you don't actually need to expose any weird light to it. It's just also, obvious. You have to be so insanely drunk to do this because sober me, you know, if I just paid $25 for a hamburger basket, the last place I'm going to take it is to yeah. a fucking urinal trough where I could drop it and will drop it any second. So you need the courage of, you know, six of those tall boys beforehand before you go doing that yep. shit. Hey, we should wrap up the podcast. Rivers, what would you like to plug before we send you on your way? Well, check out uh, NBC Sports Edge, a.k.a. Roto World. Uh, I'm doing a lot of the blurbs. I'll be doing a lot of the blurbs on draft day. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, will, you, um, will you say nice things about my team's selection if they select a good player? Okay. Oh, what okay. about if they select a bad player? Can you still do it anyway? I mean, we had you on the podcast. I mean, no, like, I, I can't He's got, oh, got ethics. You, you fucker. No, Eric no. Silver is our producer. <laughs> Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-Panera0. I will check the voicemail box next week. I didn't have a chance uh, this week. But Rivers McCown, thank you so much for coming on this mega NFL draft preview. This was great fun, and I am now sufficiently fired up for some football. Thank you, Rivers. Thanks, Thanks. Rivers. Uh, Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I wanted to ask uh, Rivers, like, what? So, if you're working on draft days, like, what is your experience of the back half of this week going to be like? Like, are you filled with dread right now? Oh yes, it's terrible. It's absolutely. (laughs) It seems like it would be really hard. The, the worst day of all is the final day, and then you wind up with, like, seven, uh, 700 maybe, like, pre-written blurbs about all these undrafted free agents. You're like, oh, God, who's posting that? Who's going where? Yeah. Quick, get him on the team. Quick, write his blurb. <laughs> no, it's awful. Yeah, no, that sounds hellish. That was sort of the experience for when I was writing basketball cards was not dissimilar to that. Like, because they would they wanted the cards to come out shortly after the draft. So they'd have us pre-write stuff. You know, you couldn't be specific about where the guy was going. But they also didn't know who was getting picked. So you would just write like a hundred cardbacks for yeah. and then if, invariably then, you know, there'd be some sort of scramble where it'd be like, they took a Latvian, like no one's ever seen him. Can you write a card for that? And I just have to like knock that out as quickly as I could.